Blockchain Advisor is the go-to podcast that bridges the gap between traditional investing and digital assets. The podcast covers a wide range of topics, including stocks, bonds, and commodities, the cryptocurrencies listed on Coinbase, and the Grayscale Investment Trusts. We're going to help you build an elegant portfolio of digital assets from the perspective of an options market maker and registered investment advisor. My name is Bill Uliveri, and I'm the Blockchain Advisor. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the, another episode of the Blockchain Advisor. Today we have with us Bill Taylor. Uh, I will I would call Bill a longtime friend, uh, and so far that we uh, chewed and cut the same uh, the same rag, the same bone on the trading floor in Chicago. But now Bill is a CEO, the CEO of Digital Wealth News, D Wealth News, and. Bill was gracious enough to have actually interviewed me a few years ago for his publication when I, too, was getting in blockchain. So, we did some really great financial advising uh, you know, magazine conversations, and I want to be able to reciprocate and show Bill my appreciation by, by having him uh, on today and also to give him an opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the new things that he's doing, especially a big, bold move from... Uh, Busy city, urban life to what appears to be some gorgeous territory uh, in Montana. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you carving out an hour of your time with us and just sit back and shoot the breeze a little bit about the old days, you know, where you've been and, you know, where you think things are going. I appreciate that, Bill. I appreciate the uh, the time to talk and, uh, and share things. Um, it's always good to catch up and uh, find out what everybody else is doing and um, try and keep on top of things. So uh, I was a long story um, because when you get old, that's all you have, long stories. And uh, I was an original member of the, of the CBOE back on the smoking floor or the smoking room off the one side of the Board of Trade and grew up there, uh, basically fast forwarding, always trading on the floor, trading here and there growing up. And uh, now fast forward to this, I'm, I'm living in Bozeman, Montana with my wife. And uh, our kitty, our cat, and uh, I'm the CEO of a, of a publication that we built up that started years ago. As Bill mentioned, um, we sold our original publication and brought this one. And basically, we're in the the, the blockchain fintech uh, digital wealth side, which is changing. I'd love to say weekly, daily, monthly, but it seems to be hourly all the time. And the exciting thing is, I just before we got on this talk to the bill, it keeps you alive, it keeps you fresh, it's exciting, and you pivot all the time. And uh, it's a whole new life. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. It is. It is. Uh, I saw something on Twitter today that someone posted, if you miss crypto Twitter for one day, you need. it takes a month to catch up because things <laughs> are moving so fast. All right. So, let's go back to the old days. So, you yeah. were a tr one of the original members at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. I, I remember you clearing Shatman, Shatkin, uh trading at the time. I don't know if that was your first clearing firm. What was your strategy? What kind of, you know, what were you trading back then? What, that was a super new experience. I mean, I, I remember the options exchange when it was on seven and a half. So, they had carved a half a trading floor with the Board of Trade just above them. So, I, I don't remember, I think, what you're talking about, that being a room off somewhere somewhere else. Are we talking about the same place or was it? No, that was pre-7.5-4, pre-7.5-8. When, uh, when the Board of Trade 
there's a guy named Joe Sullivan who came up with the idea of doing listed options. Mm-hmm. And he basically sold it to the Board of Trade here and there to bring a whole new thing, uh, options back back in the day. Um, you had to look at the back of the Wall Street Journal to find out if where options were quoted. You had to go through a brokerage firm. You had to, all this kind of stuff. There was no liquidity, anything else. And he came up with a beautiful idea of listed options. And he sold it to the Board of Trade as a new product. There was an old smoking room off the one side of the Board of Trade back when you could actually smoke and do things like that. They crammed a new exchange in there, got approval from the SEC as a pilot program to do this. And uh, voila, there were 32 original stocks um, with options on it. No puts, only calls. And that was it. The, the funny story, Bill asked about my how I got into trading it. Um, had a, a really good friend of mine, um, there's a guy named, uh, went to college with C.C. Odom, if anybody remembers him. Um, we went to TCU together. You know, he's a good friend. We had a couple of clients. We were in the brokerage business. Some of our clients were Pat Arbor and Shatkin and others because of the trading commodities. You had to have an outside account to do stocks and mm-hmm. equities. So those were our good friends. Um, we went to them. C.C. went to the Board of Trade. I want to get on the option exchange. I remember walking and talking to Pat and going into Hank's office and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd like to get a start at this. I've got good experience. He said, you know, you've got that. Okay. I'll back you. Go down on the floor and trade. And how do I get my experience? I didn't have any money at the time. He was just a, a growing boy. And Pat explained to me that if you go down and day trade and you make money, you can take money out. If you lose, you have to put money in, but you can trade flat. I said, so all you have to do is go down there and not be wrong? He said, basically, that's it. <laughs> so I'd go down and I'd, I'd try and be flat every night and then skim things off. Um, funny story, back then, nobody, it, it was new. Everybody was a, a relative or a friend or somebody to go down there. There was no real expertise down there on that. They were just needed liquidity. And so if you made, you know, a little bit here and there, here and there, you go out and trade some calls. I went down the first day and uh, did some trading, mm-hmm. flat, and I came back upstairs and Hank greeted me and he said, so Bill, how'd it go down there? Uh, how's your first day? And I said, it went pretty well. He said, you seem unhappy. Well, what happened? I said, well, he said, did you make money? I said, yeah. I said, I made $2,500. And he looked at me. He said, why are you down? I said, I was up five grand. And he just laughed and patted me on the back and said, just keep going. And that's all I did is go down and scalp and trade. And you could only do calls. And then, as Bill said, the, the option exchange evolved to the seven and a half floor between right. seven and eight. Um, it was fun. Then um, with that, I'm sure a lot of people are sharing the same type of stories out there. Um, you go on there, and then they had this dastardly thing that helped destroy the market. They were called puts. And that became a little more technical. So my game of basically scalping and doing it was going along quite well till I was walking through the board of the trade one night um, in the morning. And I, I had a college degree. I was a broker. I knew this stuff. There were people coming in with briefcases carrying Wall Street journals going up to first option. And I said, this is going to get difficult. Right. Here comes my competition. 
the expertise of that. One of the smartest guys, a, a former partner and a former good friend here, there was uh, well, Billy Cornelak. People remember that name. I know. I, I, I shared an office with Bill Cornelak for a while. Yeah. So, I, I, as me as well. So, we, we came up and, and Cornelak was up there. Brilliant, brilliant mind here and there. I can find a thing. And so, it became a more experienced type thing. And it got bigger and bigger. And I eventually moved upstairs, um, had a different firm, and uh, did well. Took some time off, got myself into a little outside of an adventure, which I really hate to bring up. I'll do it. I thought I was really cool and really smart. And I decided to try to be in the airline business. It did not work. It cost me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But then you go back to trading, what you do best, build up. And... Uh, now I'm in the media business. My wife, uh, my current wife, is, uh, was a uh, VP with the Chicago Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. So she got into publishing. We got into a, in the media side, built up a firm called FinTech Capital that Builder. We did an interview with him. And that was when nobody knew what blockchain was. You had to spell blockchain. Nobody knew what it was. I thought it was fascinating. And at the same time, that we launched in August of 16 was the same time the CME was going to launch a digital gold contract. And it didn't happen because the SEC didn't like it. They teamed up with a group in London. Everything was go, but the CME, and you couldn't have access to the U.S. market. Anyway, we built up the media side, sold it to a larger publication, and now we have this one. And now everybody knows what blockchain is. Everybody knows everything else. So we're in digital asset, moving that. And it keeps you extremely fresh. So that's my long story from being a scalper, only calls, and then puts and call, and then getting too efficient, where it became very difficult. And uh, I'm not the smartest guy out there. And when things get really difficult, you tend to either run away or <laughs> do something else. So right. that's what we've done. Anyway. So uh, the original thirty-two stocks that were part that were listed at the options exchange. Which ones were you? What pits were you in? Was that mid? Was that south mid mid middle south utilities and Nitwit Bristol Myers? Is that was that that group? The Brown oh, Room? Oh, 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 we had well the big thing was uh, IBM was on one side. Oh. Uh, we had General Motors and then uh, Texas Instruments. But I traded a lot of time in Upjohn. Uh, they had a lot of things next to me with RCA, Brunswick, mm-hmm. RCA, Polaroid, Kodak, all the names that are, you know, they're not here, they're not here anymore. The right, Nifty, right. The Nifty 50. The uh, Nifty 50. Of, yep. And I was basically a tape watcher. Uh, I watched the tape. I had a good feel for the market, looking to buy and sell on the tape and reacted with that. It was all basically mm, gut feel, intuition. Um, which now we call proprietary. So, uh, that type of thing. Um, and that's what you did. You buy low, sell high, and, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. Or if you're short, crazy. sell high, buy low. But yeah, there, there's a plethora of stocks out there. I mean, General Motors is still here. Ford was listed. <sighs> Merck, Upjohn. You can go right through a list and some of them just do not exist anymore. And then, then it grew up. And, that, and was, uh, that was before a big bear market. I mean, the Nifty 50 got slaughtered in 1974, 76, something like that. I forget yes, the bear market where there was basically pages and pages and pages of call books that were like no bid at a 16th, uh, something like that. Yes. 
Exactly. And I, I, I remember distinctly some of the stocks. I mean, these the Kodak Born were going by at 124, 150 here and there before the before the big crash. Um, and it was an exciting time. It was a small room. Everybody knew each other. Everybody knew different clerks. It was very, you know, like uh, it was like a little click mm-hmm. just off out of the board of trade. And then we went to the big time, and they built the trick for above there. Got bigger and bigger. And the little known fact is the SEC approved the option to change, but they did it as a pilot program. And they did it, they released only X amount of seats at a time, watched the growth, watched the shop could do it, they could monitor it, they could figure out how to regulate it, mm-hmm. they could do different things with that. Back then, um, even up to a certain point, you couldn't hedge because you could not hedge because if you were trading calls and you wanted to do stock, you had to have an outside account with a brokerage firm. So if you had, let's say, $100,000 and you wanted to hedge, you had to take part of that capital out of your option trading account, open a brokerage account, wow. and neither side could see anything. Right. There was no cross-margining, no, stuff. No yeah. cross-margining, nothing like that. They were like two naked positions, basically. Exactly. And that's what's kind of exciting, which is still right now going on, in the digital asset space, whether it be Bitcoin or others, and the crypto side, um, you, there's really no cross-marketing. If you had, I think somebody, uh, some people left Goldman Sachs and they're starting a, plat- or a, uh, a platform mm-hmm. that allows you to trade securities and crypto on the same thing. So sooner or later, there will be some hedging, some cross-marketing. So that's what's kind of exciting. As you think back to the old days, what was done, it's being reinvented now in the digital asset space. Yeah, I was um, just thinking, saying that this morning to some with another guy I interviewed. It's it's really the, it's just the old world being reapplied to the new technology. Exactly. exactly. And so, if you've ever thought, God, I wish I could go back to those days and have overs and see it happening again, it, it kind of is, and it's, it's kind of exciting. So, you know, I got an email the other day, Bill. I think it was from uh, a brokerage firm, like an online firm. It, was, it wasn't not, it was not Fidelity. It was not TD. It was not Schwab. It was another one. I don't remember what it was, but they basically permit cryptocurrency trading, like the real thing, cash, uh, cash contract, which surprised me in a, they were offering it to investment advisors that if you want, if I wanted to open up an account with them and have an institutional relationship with them, I could do stocks. ETFs and crypto all in one account. And I, I got the impression from the email, I'm going to double check that, that it was all cross margin. It was all, they look at it holistically, which that's pretty exciting. I'm going to take a look at that again. It is. And I, I'm, I'm not aware of that, but I'm not surprised. There's been steps in that direction. And that's, you know, going to open a whole new field with everybody, you know, especially with regulation coming along. Mm-hmm. But still, that is so needed. And that's what happened on the old CBOE and stuff that yeah. it morphed into where you could actually do hedging. You could actually do cross-margining, which opened up to this, and you could protect it with puts. And then the market became more and more efficient and made everybody's life very difficult. So, but yeah. That's that interesting. Was- because I've taken this is platform that I use for uh, creating reports, risk reports for my clients, and it's 
I'll be honest with you, it's used more as a prospecting tool, but it just gives people an idea of how much risk reward they can expect from their current portfolio and then what we could do for them as an investment advisor. And I've added Bitcoin to the matrix. And you would be surprised how little the dial moves by adding a 5% allocation to Bitcoin to a regular 60-40 portfolio, but how much the gains have improved over time. Now, I know that Bitcoin has only been around for about 12 years right, or, or so, but still, it's an interesting way of looking at Bitcoin as another correlated or non-correlated asset. Like, it doesn't really matter in a way, uh, just as a new asset class to a standard 60-40 or 70-30 portfolio. And I think that we're going to see more and more of that conversation going forward. So, so you have no, you had no commodity business per se. It was straight to, straight to the options exchange. No, actually, for the asset exchange, I did become a member of the Board of Trade for a while. Right. And, uh, and the CME. Uh, I was one of the first people. I was the first person at Shatgun um, Investment to trade the S&P 500. I uh, ran the first trade through there. Um, I was uh, account A1. Um, Billy Portlack was account H1 because he hedged. <laughs> and so we ran it through Shatgun. That was the first time when they set up a direct uh, link down to the CME floor right into the pit of the S&P. And yeah, I went to the Board of Trade um, because I could never, I would, I would always struggle with volume requirements. You were required to do 50% of your volume in your primary primary stock, 25% in supplemental. I never made those. I would always be at 52% here and there. And so Ed Niels, who happened to be chairman of the Board of Trade, or the, the option at that time, said, you know, don't fight this, go down to the Board of Trade. And then you don't have the same requirements because they had a, you know, they found it, so they didn't have the same rules. Mm-hmm. I went down to the Board of Trade. I lasted six months. I found that soybeans and corn are not the same as financial instruments. Um, I've lost, 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 but I made money on the seat. So it was a wash. It was a six <laughs> So. How much were the seats at that time? Probably 150 grand, 120,000. Uh, I think the board of trade seats were like 250, 225, somewhere in there, um, here and there. Uh, remember the original option seats came out at 10 grand and then 15 grand, and they staged them in. Um, I went. I went. I went to the bean pit in 1989. It was after they had a drought, and I also went to the corn pit and corn options pit in 1994. What a great way of life. I mean, gentlemanly trade, wonderful yeah. people, a lot of fun, right? But I, great hours, 9.30 to 1.15. But I could yeah. not make a living over there. It was just, I just couldn't get the hang of that. And I'm so frustrated because it was so much fun. I mean, you get a lot of trading done in those few hours. And I loved it. I really did. It was, it was, it was fun. And a good friend of mine said, you know, Bill, you should go down there because trading is trading. It's not. You go to Vegas and Baccarat is not blackjack. And roulette is not, you know, craps. Yeah. They're all different. They're different skills. And it sounds like it's all trading can be done. I was terrible. I never made any money in the beans or corn. Yeah. I'd make a little, lose a little here and there. And it's like it, you just couldn't make a living out of it. And I know some guys are excellent at it. I, mean, Hank and I know. I, mean, I know. I know some of those guys. So, um, do you still keep in touch with Bill Cornlack? Is he still alive? Um, you know? As far as I know, he is. I see some everything from his wife, Denise, down there. I remember he he wanted out of Chicago in one place, and he asked me some place to go, and I, I 
um, went to college in Texas and told them Austin, Texas was a, is a great place. And they have no taxes down there. We sold him on it. He looked around. We looked at Arizona at one time moving there. We getting an office out there. We all these different things. And he moved to bought a lake house outside uh, Austin, Texas. Wow. Which probably is, I'm sure he's still there and uh, sitting on the deck, probably trading. Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to him one time. He was sitting out there and he was shooting uh, dragonflies with a, with a BB gun or something. <laughs> and so he probably made a fortune down there just on the real estate side. Sure. But I, I believe he is because Denise still um, posts every so often. Oh, that's good. Well, just to, be, often, yeah, just to be clear, I didn't actually share a, an office with Bill Kornlack as a, as a member. I was clerking for John Stafford at the time. And uh-huh. Bill, Kornlack, Bill Kornlack used to come up and they would commiserate all the time on, uh, you know, dividend plays and a stock they were trying to take private called Fuqua, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Uh, Staff, Stafford, do you remember that? So Stafford and uh, Bill Kornlack tried to... He Go ahead. Came on one side of the floor, uh, when the seven and a half floor, between seven and eight, and I gravitated a lot out of the trading pits, and I'd go off to stand to one side, and Billy would stand next to me. We were trading from one side. We trade a lot of stuff. And he was talking to staff, and they were wrapping this thing around. They were doing a lot of wrapping and buying puts, calls, so they have options. And they were going to do a takeover of Fuqua Industries yeah. down there. And I kept looking at him and said, what, you know, no, what are you doing? He said, we're doing this, 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 and the rapper are getting a huge position. And they're doing that. And I said, well, let me get this straight. You know, you are up here trying to do this with a guy named J.B. Fuqua down in Atlanta, Georgia. as a good old boy down there. And you're going to try and beat him? You might want to rethink it. Yeah. But he told me they were doing this takeover thing. They even had private detectives checking on him and everything else. I mean, J.B. Oh Fuqua, there's a, I mean, J.B. Fuqua school of business to Duke. I mean, this guy is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, messing around with it, with a big old entrenched Southern guy in like the, you know, in the eighties and stuff. Right. And that's, that's, that's so good. Yeah. So they had to unwind. Another funny story on Bill, he was buying a lot of stuff. He had Marathon Oil. And Marathon Oil buying everything in sight. He had a huge position. And the market, nothing happened. He swore it was going to be taken over. And I was standing there, and he finally came in, and he told me, he looked at me, he said, Bill, I can't take it anymore. It's just not happening. He liquidated his whole position. The next day, Marathon was bought. You want to see a look on somebody's face. Oh, uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Boy, yeah, what yeah, a yeah. killer. Yeah, but, you know, we all know the stories. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Those are the good, actually, those were the good old days. And when there was camaraderie and people, you could actually go down in trading pits. And it didn't matter who you were, where you came from, what your political side was, whatever. Everybody got along. They were gentlemen. Yep. If they worked or something, they didn't get trades anymore. If you conducted yourself as a gentleman, you were a good person, it didn't really matter what you did when you left that trading board, because that trading board was a community. Right. And it, uh, it's pretty nice. And that's kind of what we found here in Bozeman, Montana. Never lived in a small town like this. It's not really small. It's got a lot of beautiful amenities. It's growing. 
But it, it's really pleasing to have that sense of camaraderie again. Those are the fun days down there in the training floors. So what? So for for my experience was once I saw I, I was introduced to blockchain, you know, by via Ethereum in 2016. And once I kind of saw the settlement and the transaction happen all simultaneously, it instantly clicked. I mean, I would have to say, all things considering, I, I got it pretty quick. What was your ta-da moment? What, when were you introduced to blockchain? How did you, you know, what were your thoughts of Bitcoin or Ethereum or how, whatever brought you here? Let's, let's, let's head into that story. Actually, I did not know much about it before. And you bring back 2016. Like I said, my wife has been in publishing. We had a media firm before, um, got involved where I, I was trading and she was in the media business and we dealt with publishers all over the country and some parts of the world. And so when the market was slow, I said, I'll pitch in and do the back office stuff, which we yell at publishers to pay here and there in the back office. And then she had a great idea to, in Europe, they were already covering fintech. And she had the great idea to do it here in the in the States and start a newsletter called FinTech News. Okay, well, that had blockchain, that all of these things, and cover all these things to give a broad-based view of what it was. So I learned basically by doing that and getting in the business. At the same token, um, this is August of 16. And so that's when we bought our first Bitcoin. Been buying them ever since and lightening up. And Bitcoin was 575 bucks. Didn't buy it at a penny, didn't buy it at $10, none of the good stuff. That was then, this is now. But uh, how it worked, the aha moment came when the CME announced that they were going to digitize gold. And uh, we know all the players. They had designed a whole trading product or trading platform. Um, State of the art, the bazooka to kill flies, as the people said, Alpha Point back in New York. They, uh, they had teamed up with a group in London to have access to the UK's Royal Mint. They had set aside a billion dollars in gold, tokenized it, basically. It was a big project. And I looked, that is going to revolutionize the gold market. That's going to revolutionize everything. I started getting into it bigger and bigger. Uh, unfortunately, the SEC didn't like it. And the Merck never, they never launched it because they couldn't get access to this market. But at the same token, I decided to do a fund. We couldn't do a fund here. So we actually did a fund uh, in Gibraltar, EU compliant here and there. That was long Bitcoin, um, short. Let's see what we got. We're long Bitcoin and long gold. And that was the big deal. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we had some people still had some clients I talked with. August of 16, here and there, they started writing a column, if you know, Bitcoin versus gold. Did it with the CME group. Um, I still write it with them. And Bitcoin versus gold. And some of the people said, well, how can you just buy Bitcoin? It's too volatile. You can't do that. So you have to do it. So I came up. I told them. I said, look, here's what you do. You buy Bitcoin and you go short gold. You're hedged. You're not hedged. There's no correlation. But psychologically, somebody said, hey, I'm short something. That I'm long, so it's okay. Right. And it worked. Bitcoin went up. Gold didn't go up as much. Yeah. And like, it was, it was a beautiful, profitable mistake. And based on a fund, my partner bought me out years ago on that and took it over because it was in Europe and all over mm-hmm. and concentrated on the media side. 
But that's why I got into it, to really dig it into the blockchain, to uh, Ethereum, gold. I still only write about gold and Bitcoin and Ethereum because I'm old, and I can't contemplate all these other new things as quickly as I used to. Sure. Changing sure. fast. But we're on top of things. And uh, But that's why I got involved in it, basically by writing a newsletter, being involved, having to write about it in a, in a common sense form to explain to other people. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm, I tell you, I'll be, I'll be 100% transparent with you. And that is, I have struggled to find people attracted to the Bitcoin gold that we, we, we came up with a strategy about, oh boy, three, four years ago, maybe 2017, it's longer than that. And the reason why is because if you are a Bitcoiner, you are all in Bitcoin. And if you're a gold bug, you are all in gold. And it's very hard to find people like ourselves that can kind of see a correlation between the two and the fact that it could be a really good Paris trade, just like Pepsi versus Coke or Home Depot versus Lowe's. Like for yeah. you and I, it makes perfect sense. For me, gold is a flight to quality when Bitcoin looks weak. And Bitcoin, you want to be long that and not long gold when it looks like this technical attributes or maybe it's fundamental attributes are looking attractive. So good for you that you were able to get involved with that and, uh, and maybe even exit, exit that unless, you know, your friend or your partner had, you know, done a great job getting assets under management. But it's it's still hard. It's a, it's, it's a tough business. It, it is. And funny story with that. I think about all, maybe four months ago, five months ago, you go back and look on, on dwealth.news, digital wealth news. I wrote a story that gold was dead. 5,000 years, it's been replaced by Bitcoin. I put it out, it's dead. It's not going to be there. It's not going to happen today. But over a period of time, gold is so 5,000 years ago. Now. I put that out there. I had hundreds and hundreds of comments and people commenting from the gold side. Very few like the Bitcoin side. But they, I was like the enemy. I was like, it was like you were cheering for Russia in this, this whole thing. I got comments back on here and there. You're an idiot, but constantly. It was hard to keep up. Another interesting part, they were all the gold bugs that yeah. turned on you because gold is the other <laughs> thing. They do. Interestingly enough, out of hundreds and hundreds of comments, I think there was only one woman that commented on the gold bug side, which I still find interesting. From wow. a, yeah, but... Yeah, they they get nasty. You you criticize gold here and there, and then the Bitcoin. It's 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 good. But that's a, another good example. If you had a, a trading account with you, you could trade Bitcoin versus gold versus the swings and the risk on. Um, if you had cross margining, you could do it. You can use micro strategy right now. You could you know do micro strategy. You short Bitcoin against it or vice versa. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that have yet to be discovered out there. That really an exciting time that's not anywhere near over yet. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but yeah, that's where I got involved in it. It was only from having to read, write, and create content for a newsletter, which I still find fascinating, that it's just me from the old trading floor. And if you have a media outfit, people think you're smart. Which I think is really cool, but I mean, I don't know where they're getting that. But, uh, don't disrespect the old gangsters like you and I and <laughs> us white hairs. We do have something so <laughs> to this area. So let's go and let's spend about 10 more minutes, Bill, into um, what, where are you at right now with Digital Wealth News? Where do you see it going? What kind of features or traction are you getting? 
you know, what do you what do you see for yourself, perhaps, in the next few years? Um, we actually started with with some paying clients. We have uh, we're very fortunate to have clients who pay ahead of time for content they supply. We do it's, it's a very unusual model that my wife came up with, and we've uh, we built it up quite well. We went from basically nothing. We're well over. We we just celebrated our first year um, here in Bozeman back the first of February. So in our second month of our second year. So we go back about a year on digital book, a year and a couple months. And we're trading now daily over, well, we do over 110,000 units constantly. We've just added some search engine optimization. We've got some different things. Um, but we have clients like Orion, uh, Orion Wealth, Orion Advisor Tech, mm-hmm. Orion Advisor. We have Sarsen Funds. We've got a whole group that uh, are very much into this and growing with it. Um, we have reached basically capacity. We've done it all organically. Now we're looking, you know, we're considering some uh, outside uh, venture money, but that means you have to hang around. We, we'd sell the whole thing right now, but we know we're building value. Mm-hmm. So we're considering that. We're, re- we're, we're, we're adding it. We just did a deal about three months ago. And this is a good contact I have. We have now um, have a joint venture which we own twenty five percent of, and we're taking fifty percent of the revenue. We formed um, D Wealth Education. We're doing curriculum with some good partners. Dara, you know Dara. All right. Mm-hmm. Dara, Dara has, has formed that. We're in with that. Their first client is the uh, University of Wyoming, the state of Wyoming. Wow. We're creating a curriculum for their uh, high school, junior colleges, all throughout there. Found out in a call today that uh, our, our, my contact down there, we set it up, we've launched it with the first client, they're paying, and roll out other curriculums with that to teach kids. What their whole thing in Wyoming, they want to continue to keep kids in Wyoming. Kraken is headquartered there now, here and there, so to educate them. So Dara set up a program. We got him in. We're doing that. We found out today, just literally two hours ago, that uh, a contact out at the, the University of Wyoming that set it up is going to be interviewed on Face to Nation. And we will be mentioned on Face to Nation just found out two hours ago. I don't know when it'll run. Yes. But he's doing it. What? So now we have, we're in an education side of it and talking with kids. We're still doing our digital walkthroughs and content um, with select clients. We're doing. Um, what else can we do? We don't know. Sounds like you're uh, pretty busy, man. I. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. When you get to a certain age, I don't want to retire. I never want to retire. But I also don't want to work 14, 15 hours a day. Sure. So what do you do? Do you, do you hire people? But then you're in the people management business. Not Which I don't like. I never liked that. I was always an independent. Yeah, me too. Exactly. And it, it's a nice thing of the freedom to do that. I mean, it's fun. So let me ask you this question, Bill. All right, you know, one investment advisor to another. Do you find the advisor side, uh, how can I say this, a, a, a fruitful place to prospect? Because I, I still find compliance, even though we've had a huge uh, uptick in uh, acceptability, and street cred and blockchain, I still have trouble having conversations with investment advisors 
whose clients are picking up the phone, calling them up, saying, hey, what is going on with Bitcoin or what is going on at Coinbase? What do I do? And a few of them have contacted me to kind of give them a little bit of education on the side, but their compliance departments are still not into it. Are we still too early to have this? Or is this something that we could build? You know, having education or a newsletter directly driven and specifically curated for investment advisors? Well, that's what we did. That's what Digital Wealth News does. Um, all of our clients are basically RIAs, investor ah, advisors. Okay, okay. That is our client base. So our clients, whether it be Orion and the others, they want to reach all those people, our audience. So that's where we shine. Got it. What they do with that when they get into the advisors, they actually get into it. We don't know. We, we, we brand them. We get them out there. We get them in the door. And people are interested, especially learning as much as possible. There's, there's a good one for you. Um, if you look at our site, Sarsen Funds, they have real clear crypto. And these guys are really, really smart. And they really do. They write good articles. They're on the education side, education of their advisors. They have, I think, four proprietary funds. Um, they're starting to do an NFT fund. Um, and they're all into education because the advisors all want to be in this sector. They don't feel comfortable in it. Right. They want to be in it. And then it'll be an excuse where, you know, we need some regulation. We need this. We need that. They're afraid to to jump in, and everybody else is getting in. The, the larger institutions are, uh, and they're there. Um, it's it's still difficult. People want to reach that audience, educate them, and educate the advisors where they're comfortable with it. It's, it's, it's tough. We don't get into it. We just provide the content, right. and the background, and the, and the words to do it. But it's like dragging, you know, it's like... It, it, Dragging a lot of horses and trying to get them to drink. I know. They, I know. Not it's like herding cats. A herding cat, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So well, it looks like it looks like your move to Montana and Bozeman has has done right by you. I mean, you seem healthy and happy, and you're busy and you're doing good work. You know, you and Cindy, that's terrific. So how uh, now? Now I'm going to give you a, an opportunity to shamelessly promote. Uh, you know, any platform or business fund, anything that you're doing, let's let's get that out here and get people involved and potentially, you know, contact you. Um, what, who would be a good contact and where can they contact you at? Just go on uh, um, digitalwealth.news. That's us. We're down there at the bottom. Um, you can get a hold of us here or there. Email. I write a column in the, uh, every week that comes out called the Taylor Report. Um, basically, Bitcoin, Ethereum, gold, and uh, S&P 500. I keep it pretty simple on how to how to keep it around. But that's how you get me about dwealth.news. And we're here. Um, it's cool. I have to say one thing. When we came out here, we drove from Atlanta. We were living in Atlanta for years. And we decided to get out of there. We've been looking for a long time. And we drove 2,000 miles. And when you take a left, if you come up at Sioux Falls, you take a left, you get I-90, and you hit the open spaces, it's like a new dimension. You feel totally free and different. This is like a new dimension here. We're sitting in the middle of Montana. And you look at a map, we're we're out here. (laughs) But it's civilized here. It's right. But it changes your mentality, and it's it's, it's very free. Um, it, it, it's a good life, 
and uh, they're still unfolding every day. Now, if anybody has any ideas on the, what's going on and all the unintended consequences in the markets right now, please let me know. I have never seen such chaos in my whole life. Right? I, I'm not. I every day my opinion like it's changing. Yeah. I, something's yeah. going to happen. It's just waiting for that leader. You know what's going to happen? You don't know what and when. But yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So do you have do you have times for hobbies, uh, reading, horseback riding, exercising, uh, running? Uh, you doing anything along those lines? Oh yeah, we have many plans. We don't do them. We don't even ski. <laughs> we're out here. We came out. We haven't skied. We said we're going to do this. We're going to go hiking. We're going to do all this kind okay. of stuff. Um, we have. We've driven down to Yellowstone, which is seventy five miles away. Uh, we look at the beauty, you know animals. We can drive to Yellowstone. We can do this and that. We get out in the country. Five, ten minutes out of Bozeman, you're out in beautiful, beautiful country. Right. So it's nice to get out, but the hiking haven't done a thing. All the good, all the good intentions haven't happened yet. All right, man. So this, is, this is your goal. This is I'm going to give you a, some homework assignment. You get together with Cindy with a bottle of wine, and you come up with your bucket list. I have one over here off to my right, and it's all the things I want to do in 2022. And they're not extravagant. They're not over the top. It's just, <laughs> A few restaurants, a few coffee shops, uh, a few other public events uh, or, or places to attend. But boy, you got to steep yourself in that 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 area there because it just looks gorgeous from from what I can tell. Yeah, it, 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 it's very satisfying and also very exciting and stimulating. And they, you know, the more stimulation, the better. So, the Montana yeah. is that where Caitlin Long has been doing a lot of work. Why do you mention that? Caitlin's down in Wyoming. Wyoming. Okay. Um, oh, sorry about that. Okay. RL. No, I'm glad you brought that up because um, all of our all of our LLCs are in Wyoming because they're, they're so progressive. We've been following it for years. No one here now. I said that uh, we started DWAP education. Dara is running that part and to bring it all in the curriculum. So we have the education department of the whole state to roll out an education program and the University of Wyoming. Contact them there is a gentleman named Steve Lupian. He's in charge of their blockchain thing, everything else here and there. Caitlin's his wife. Oh, my gosh. Small world. Yeah. Crazy. Advent, Advent Bank, which is now the Custodia Bank. They just changed the name. Right. That's his wife. So, yes, we know. Wow. We know. Well, I Very know. Good. I saw so, Caitlin present to a group of insurance people in Chicago, maybe in 2018. And she was the only person that got up in front of a group of maybe 80 people without a screen, without a PowerPoint, into the most amazing presentation yeah. on blockchain and what it means. And yeah. I, I, she bowled me over, you know, huge respect for Caitlin. She's, she's a wonderful person, bold personality, smart, is a, one of the smartest people I've ever known. I mean, and listen, I don't know her very well, but just her experience is just amazing. So, well, her, well, her husband Steve um, is a professor and a big deal, and heads up all the blockchain alliances and all the blockchain initiatives at the University of Wyoming. And he also teaches there down the road in Laramie. So, wow. yeah, I just got off the phone with Steve. We have weekly calls with him and oh, setting it all up. So, yeah, that's his wife. So, yes, we're. We know. Glad you brought that up. So, yeah. yeah Good. Well, listen, when the weather warms up, every night we're going to do a road trip and we're going to come and visit you and Cindy I, again. I wish you would. I love it. I love talking. To, I, I, it's like, this is, this is fun. This yeah, is we fun. had a great time in Atlanta when we, we hung out with you for, for an afternoon. So, let's do it again. Yeah, well, we thank, you, 
we bought you a cheap lunch, I think. But so <laughs> we, can, we can improve. We can improve upon that. We'll reciprocate. We'll get you. We'll give you guys a cheap lunch. <laughs> but, um, tell us, tell uh, Cindy, I said hello. It was so good seeing you again and chatting with you. And um, thanks for spending some time with us. And I look forward to chatting with you again, Bill. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for asking me. Appreciate it. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. The information is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. And answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities, forms of payment, cryptocurrencies, options, or strategies mentioned. It is not intended to be a substitute for specific individuals individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine what is suitable for you, consult a professional advisor before implementing any information presented to discuss profit, loss, and risk. Investment advisory services are offered through Seneca Capital Management, LLC, a state-registered investment advisor. The firm and investment advisor representatives of Seneca Capital Management only conduct business where they are properly registered. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill skill or training.